0: Southerners have long created the storylines that shape the nation, and in some ways, the world. We have planted the seeds to spark global movements. As goes the South, so goes the nation. Never in our lifetime has that been more true. Whether it's fighting for racial justice, ending health disparities, fighting for voting rights by organizing people around common goals, these issues, and the Southerners leading the charge over them, are going to set the tempo for the 2020 elections. This season of The Wrecking Interview, we're digging into the stories and people beyond the polls and partisanship. We're speaking with the community leaders and fresh young voices doing the work of building the future South, on the ground and out of the spotlight. If you're looking for another political podcast to handicap the horse race, there are plenty of them out there. But we want you to join us as we explore the Southern issues, trends, and movements that matter most. And hopefully, learn how to plant our own seeds of change. So, subscribe to the reckon interview wherever you get your podcast for dot com I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak, Alabama: Stories from
1: a pandemic. I think having a perspective from someone who's had the virus, had these same symptoms living in this community from these communities that are being disproportionately affected, helps create a sense of calm and understanding and essentially helps people cope with this new reality. Today
0: we hear from Desmond Wilson, video producer for Reckon South and host of the new Facebook live show, Black with COVID.
1: Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Des Wilson. Uh, This is my show, Black with COVID. Uh, This is a platform where we discuss uh, personal experiences of battling COVID-19 and also explore the data that shows a disproportionate amount of black and brown folks, essentially people of color, uh, being affected and dying from COVID-19.
0: A little more than a month ago, Dez tested positive for COVID-19. He experienced symptoms like extreme fatigue and loss of smell and taste, but thankfully didn't have any upper respiratory issues and is now feeling well. Dez is a healthy 32-year-old guy. But he was cognizant of the fact that Black Americans are dying in disproportionate numbers from coronavirus.
1: It is detrimentally affecting people of color. That includes Black folks, uh, Latinx, uh, Hispanics, uh, Native Americans. And so uh, we want to continue having this discussion and, and, and providing this platform not only for people to share their personal experience but also, so we can explore the data points that explore and and prove that not only these th- this virus is affecting people of color at a disproportionate level, but also it's it's exposing some of the issues in our healthcare system as a whole that have long been a, a long-standing issue, but can finally now be addressed due to the data that is being shown.
0: Data from the COVID Racial Data Tracker and U.S. Census Bureau shows that black people are being hospitalized and dying at a higher rate than most other groups in America. In fact, black people are dying at two and a half times the rate of white people, accounting for 22% of COVID-related deaths. This data, and his and his friend's personal experiences with COVID-19, prompted him to launch his new Facebook live show, Black with COVID, for Reckon South which explores their battles with the virus through a deeply personal lens. You can watch it every Monday at 11 a.m. at ReckonByAL.com on Facebook. I spoke to Dez about when he tested positive for COVID-19, how he could not pin down exactly when he was exposed to the virus, the denial and anxiety he felt after his diagnosis, and what he wants others to know about COVID-19's
1: effect on the black community. Uh, my name is Des Wilson. I am uh, live in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm originally from Tuscaloosa, uh, but consider myself a Birminghamian. I am a video producer for Wrecking South. And after contracting COVID, I created a, a series called Black with COVID uh, that actually birthed from a Facebook group uh, message chat from myself and a few other friends who contracted the virus around the same time. We started the group chat just to share Uh, symptoms, what we were doing to kind of remedy those symptoms, uh, and also just checking in on each other's well-being since we were all socially isolated and quarantined at the time. Uh, And after just sharing my experience publicly, I got a pretty large uh, influx of people communicating in my inbox that had also contracted the virus uh, and just wanted essentially just somebody to talk to, to bounce symptoms off of and to compare and contrast symptoms and and the the timeline of symptoms to to testing and and where did they go get tested, and where were the testing locations and so the pa- platform almost created itself it was it was obviously a, a a need for a southern perspective on uh experiencing the virus and so we we started it up and it's been going really well and so we've been able to cover different topics from not only symptoms and testing locations what the testing process is like but also the mental health obstacles that are involved with contracting the virus. A lot of people uh, have caught it and, and are scared to tell people they're scared to go get tested. And so uh, creating this platform has really helped a lot of people, even myself, get through, you know, the the process of having the virus and, 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 and going through it and finally testing negative, but also just creating some like-mindedness and community around it. Uh, since this is so greatly affected everyone, uh but it's is really heavily affecting the the black and brown communities of america when did you learn you tested positive for covid when did you start
0: feeling the symptoms what were they and what was your testing experience like
1: so ironically um i, I woke up one morning uh kind of in a a cold sweat um uh, but really i thought i slept too far under the covers i didn't have that one leg kicked out you know that's the the countryman ac uh I didn't, I, and I thought I just slept too hot and didn't think much about it. Later that day, I still kind of felt a little, maybe sinus congested, and so I took my normal kind of Zyrtec meds and drank some orange juice and water, uh, and thought you know that would kind of fix it. And over the next couple of days, I, I started feeling fine. I actually made a, a, a ride motorcycles, and I actually made a motorcycle trip from Birmingham to Memphis and back. And right after Memphis, I had a trip scheduled to Detroit. On my way to Detroit, about halfway, I think I got to Tennessee State Line. I stopped and got some uh, Subway, and I realized that the Subway was really bland. It didn't have as much flavor as I was used to, and I have a really sensitive nose and and taste palate. And just noticed that it was really bland, so I kind of just wrote it off as, you know, oh, they just didn't season, you know, the sandwich well. But by the time I got to Detroit, I noticed I had lost my taste and smell completely. And that's what got me on the Internet, got me looking up symptoms of COVID again. And I think around that time, taste and smell hadn't been really highly you know, promoted as a, as a primary symptom. And so I, I wasn't immediately aware that that was one of the kind of glaring red flags. And so I, I went ahead and scheduled a test the Detroit trip was only 48 hours. So I went up there and came back the next day, but I scheduled my test that week, but I immediately began quarantining. As soon as I got back to Birmingham, I've got an 11 month old daughter. She'll be a one year old next, next month. And so I, you know, mainly wanted to make sure that I, I I wanted to make sure that I tested before getting back around her and the rest of my family. And so I was lucky enough. I think I got back on a Monday. I had a, a test scheduled for Thursday. I went ahead and quarantined. As soon as I got back, got my test results and just, continued on with my quarantine. How did you get your test results back? I got them through email. So I went through the Walgreens testing uh, location on Valleydale Road in Birmingham. Uh, It was an online process. I scheduled the appointment. I pulled up. It was a self-administered test. And so they kind of just wheel you the uh, materials. You do the nose swab yourself, put it back into the container And pass it over, and they actually they tell you that you get the results in about twenty four to forty eight hours. It actually came in a few hours, so they were pretty fast. So you did the nose swab yourself. I mean, how
0: deep did you go? I've had a test, I've had a COVID test. They went pretty deep, Des. How deep did you go?
1: Look, man, I don't. I I went as far as I. As I thought I could, and I, and I went as far as I thought I should. Uh, they, and they watch you when you're doing the self-administered test. They, they stand there and make sure. And so I, a couple of times I did have to go back in because she told me I didn't go you know, far enough. Um, but it, I, to be honest, I'm much happier that I did it myself than, than having a nurse-administered test because I was not looking forward to that. Well, I mean, it sounds
0: like you went deep enough. You got your result, and you were positive for COVID. So what did you think when you first learned that you tested positive?
1: I mean, I was surprised. I immediately started backtracking my steps. I started calling people who I had been around, uh, which again, weren't that many, you know, but I had been around some family members and I stopped by my aunt's house in Nashville. So I I made sure that I I made those calls and made, you know, first and said, listen, I just tested positive. Just want you to know you want to go ahead and get your own test, go ahead and disinfect everything. And so once I made those first rounds, It was a little difficult. Uh, It was, you know, you start kind of feeling like you're, like, you have leprosy. Uh, You know, people can't be around you, and they gotta drop stuff off on your porch, and so I had to go through that that process of accepting that you know, this is something, and plus I I don't, I'm not, I'm typically, you know, generally healthy. I've never been in the hospital for sickness, thankfully, Uh, and so this was new for me. Uh, I, I generally just have some sinus issues when the seasons change, and so yeah, you know, never had the flu, never had any any really major upper respiratory issues. And so this was shocking. And so I mainly wanted to try to backtrack how I could have possibly contracted it and just really had no clue. I mean, I only stopped at, at gas stations typically, maybe stopped in a couple stores, but, you know, was using hand sanitizer and was and was wearing my mask. At the time, I, I admittedly was not wearing my mask probably as much as I should have been. So that could have easily been how I, you know, contracted it was walking past someone or touching the wrong thing. And and, and, and I, I really just had no, no clue how I possibly could have contracted it, except just being generally, you know, somewhat careless.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that you have a young daughter. You know, I've heard some stories from people who have had it and one of the hardest things other than the symptoms themselves in the sickness is the distance that you have to maintain from your family. And I would assume while you've been raising your child, it has to have been difficult for you.
1: Yeah, it was it was difficult. Um, you know, I had to I had to do the FaceTime calls and you know, that first year of life is very important. You want to spend as much time as possible. And, you know, I I was able to contrast that with the extra time I've been able to spend with her from daycares being closed down. uh, We have had a lot of time at home and and together and and, uh, spent a lot of time together. So uh, I I will say that I was able to kind of um, uh, weigh it against, you know, the fact that I have been able to spend more time with her since we haven't been taking her to daycare. Well, and how long was
0: the window? Like, when did you test negative and know you didn't have it anymore?
1: Well, I have a couple of physicians in my family that uh, my one of my older sisters uh, primarily works with COVID patients in Georgia, and she informed me that even after testing negative, you need to quarantine for about another week because you are able to transmit the virus even after after testing negative. So even after I went through my two, about two and a half week quarantine while positive, I still had to do another week to 10 days after testing negative to be sure I was clear of the virus. So it, it was a little difficult, you know, getting to that two week mark and then being told, OK, you got to quarantine another week. That was a little difficult as well. But all in all, I'm very thankful to, to work, you know, for a company that I'm able to work from home. I haven't had to deal with uh, unemployment or anything like that. And so uh, I have been privileged in this uh, in this experience while still having to you know, deal with the unfortunate scenarios.
0: Well, so you mentioned your show, Black with COVID. We know now, and we knew really a long time ago, early in this pandemic, unfortunately, that there is data that says Black Americans are dying in disproportionate numbers from coronavirus, and that Black communities at large have been severely affected by the crisis. Were you thinking about this when you were diagnosed and why you treated it, or was it more of an in-the-moment thing where data sort of went out the window?
1: Yeah. Uh, to be honest, uh, the me personally contracting it sparked my interest in finding more information about the data. I wasn't heavily read uh, around the actual statistics prior to contracting it, but after getting, I wanted to know more about it uh, and and know more about why it was affecting you know black and brown communities at these disproportionate levels. And so, you know, I I was, you know, essentially somewhat detached from it until it came to my doorstep. What's
0: been the piece of data or something you've learned in terms of how it affects black and brown people that has surprised you the most? Like, what's been the most eye-opening piece of data that you've seen?
1: Uh, I think right now we're seeing that uh, the death rate is where the primary uh, disproportion is happening. The, The cases are happening at a very similar rates, but the deaths are very much higher. And so right now uh, black Americans are dying at a rate two and a half times uh, the rate of, of white Americans. And, you know, they're varying theories as to what those reasons are, uh, access to healthcare, uh, lifestyle access to you know, essentially uh, the majority of black and brown Americans are essential workers and find themselves working in industries that don't allow them, to work from home and, and to socially distance. Uh, even if you look at police officers who aren't able to socially distance, they, they still have to engage with citizens on a daily basis. And so there are several different factors that could be contributing to this, but there isn't one glaring uh, primary reason why.
0: Well, and you mentioned the Facebook groups that you were in and now you've been talking to people, engaging with people, obviously through your show. And I just wonder, I know you can't speak obviously for the entire black community who are going through what you have gone through and in many cases worse, but what has the dialogue been like, I guess, from the folks that you've talked to who have also had coronavirus?
1: You know, it varies. Um, I think for most people, uh, it's it's a bit disconnected until it, it hits home. Uh, and we're seeing people that You know, and it varies. You see people who have they don't know anyone who's contracted or died from it. And we see other people whose entire families have been decimated by it. Uh, A friend of mine, Edward Bowser, uh, who previously a journalist, he he's lost several family members uh, from the from the virus. Uh, We've seen it spread rapidly where one family member has it and ends up spreading it to the entire family. We've seen situations where people are in denial, where they're exhibiting symptoms, but You know, refusing to go get a test. And so, one of the most interesting things uh, I've found through this process is learning more about the apprehensions that a lot of Black Americans have with the modern healthcare system. And they're fairly justified reasons. Uh, If you look at, you know, how PTSD has affected uh, people and also how trauma can be passed down through DNA. Uh, we look at how the Tuskegee experiments even uh, could be having a, a very modern day effect on the psychology and the trust around uh, black Americans, trust in the modern healthcare system. And so, you know, I've seen some some very cognitive dissonance, like knowing, OK, the virus is here, but I don't want to take the steps to actually prevent it or I'm just going to block it out of my mind and act like it doesn't exist. I've seen that to whole families completely, you know, quarantining and self-isolating wearing masks, even though they, you know, live with each other and, and taking the, the primary precautions. So I, I've really seen it uh, on both ends of the spectrum.
0: I wonder about that psychological aspect of it, Des. You know, I spoke to our colleague, Chris Harris, who has been open about his experience after his diagnosis with COVID-19. And he spoke at length about the psychological toll that it took on him. And he, he stressed that it's something that people aren't really focusing on through this entire pandemic. I wonder, did you experience any of that denial that you mentioned before? Any, any of the anxiety that Chris has talked about?
1: Yeah, all of it, all the above. Um, The denial came in, um, you know, even after my primary symptoms, I lost my taste and smell. Luckily I didn't have any upper respiratory issues uh, with breathing or anything. I I did have the the extreme fatigue, Uh, but yeah, I was in denial even after, losing my, my, my taste and smell. I just thought I had a sinus infection, you know, even after signing up for the test, I went to the test thinking, Oh, I I don't have this, you know, and reading, getting that email back and reading, you know, positive COVID-19 in real time. Uh, it was shocking. I, I kind of, you know, was kind of on the situation where you just have to laugh to keep from crying because it's immediately scary. You know, what does this mean? Uh, you know, doctors haven't figured it out. Is this going to get worse for me? A lot of people it gets worse before it gets better, so it was it was hard to deal with. Uh, and then also having to backtrack, thinking about how how and who you could have transmitted it to, even accidentally. All those things were compounded in those three and a half weeks of quarantine. And what's something that you think people haven't considered
0: about COVID so far? Now that you've had it, something that may have surprised you about having it, or did it sort of like meet your expectations?
1: I'd say being someone that that generally does not get sick often, uh, and even when I am sick, it's with the same issues like sinus pressure, sinus congestion, sinus. Very rarely a sinus infection. What surprised me were that the symptoms were completely unlike anything I'd ever experienced. Uh, you know, I have a very sensitive taste and smell palate. I can smell things uh, from weeks and the fact that I lost that and and even after reading and researching that a lot of people don't gain their taste and smell senses back completely uh some people have to retrain their senses uh after you know contracting the virus uh and so that was most surprising for me was You know, thinking that, okay, this is something that my body can fight off because I'm generally, you know, what I think is healthy and I have, I think I have a strong immune system. But I was, I was flooded with a a completely different set of symptoms that I never experienced, you know, at at 32 years old. And even in our group chat with with some friends of mine, the most physically active guy who's actually a firefighter, he had the worst symptoms out of the three of us. And so, That was probably most surprising that it's almost like Russian roulette. It's a roll of the dice to know how the virus will affect you It's a roll of the dice to know how you can transmit it, how you can contract it, what your symptoms will be, how long you'll have it, when you'll test negative and how long you could still transmit it after you're negative. So there are so many question marks that are still up in the air about all this. All we really can do is, is err on the side of caution, uh, hope for the best and, and prepare for the worst by, uh, wearing our masks, you know, staying clean, staying sanitized and socially distancing as much as we can, as uncomfortable as it, as it may be.
0: So my last thing for you, Des, you have gone through this and you've launched this show, Black with COVID. I just wonder, what's your mission with the show? Like, who do you want to reach? And what's the message that you're trying to get across to people with Black with COVID?
1: Well, I, I think that The news stories are are a bit scary sometimes. The data is scary. The way that society shifted as quickly as it did shocked everyone uh, mentally, physically, financially. And I think having a perspective from someone who's had the virus, had these same symptoms, living in this community from these communities that are being disproportionately affected helps create a sense of calm and understanding and essentially helps people cope with this, this new reality and also provides a, a medium to provide information, to share resources and to answer some questions that may be difficult for someone to ask openly on social media or answers that they may not be able to find, you know, from having to sift through all the data. Uh, so essentially making the conversation more accessible, making this reality more comfortable since it is such an abrupt shift and change and everything. Where and when can people find it? Every Monday at 11 a.m. on Wrecking South.
0: Dez, thank you very much. I'm glad you're feeling better. Good luck with the show.
1: Everybody should watch it. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate you having me.
0: If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.